Welcome to the Leadership Raccoon, where we overcome the barriers to leadership the cunning way. Today, we're going to talk about what it takes to lead people. This is uh, one of my favorite topics. And under this topic, we're going to focus on two elements, vision and passion. So Mike, right off the bat, I want to kick it off by asking you, what is your definition of vision? You know, it's interesting. If, if you don't really need or want to change anything, you really don't have to have a vision. A mm-hmm. lot of people chase that term. Mm-hmm. It's almost synonymous with leadership. Uh, but if you do want to change something, if you want to improve something, if you want to change the direction that people are working, uh, then a vision is absolutely crucial because it's, it's a highly emotional view of the future. And frankly, leadership is mostly emotion, emotion. very little logic. Right. Now, I, when we think about a vision, I, I, I think it sometimes gets confused amongst different terms. So I want to throw out a few terms, vision, scope, objectives, future state. I see people can kind of use these interchangeably. Is that good to do? What is your thoughts on the differences? Or is there a difference between those d- different yeah, I would say vision is, the, uh, is certainly by far the broadest um, and, and really most, the most inspiring of all mm-hmm. those terms. Scope uh, usually means uh, boundaries, uh, channels, uh, the, the limits to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the objectives, uh, metrics, all the way down to metrics. Uh, goals, all that is more related to directly into management as opposed to the leadership side. Mm-hmm. Remember, managers are, are busy out there trying to um, get things done, execute, right. uh, and setting goals is a good way to get clarity in people's mind. Uh, and then under those objectives where you've usually got a number and an objective, mm-hmm. uh, we want to increase sales 20%, say. And then below that, uh, if you have a number in the objective, you can you can pull metrics. Well, this is far, far above that. This right. is uh, vision is something to excite people. It's really the leader's view of a, of a distant future uh, and, and can be used to rally people. Now, what's interesting about vision, too, it's, helps put clarity in followers' minds, mm. as does the goals and objectives and all that, all the management stuff we just talked about. But um, getting that, getting a clear picture in people's minds, uh, even though it is futuristic, mm-hmm. is really, really crucial. Yeah, I mean, how can you... How can you work if you don't know where you're going? If there is not a goal in sight, it's very hard to come to work every day and be like, okay, I'm, I know I'm working towards something, but what am I working towards? And, and, you know, I think one of the challenges people have with words like vision and mission is they might go, well, you know, Brooks, I work at a car dealership. What's my mission statement? You know, I, I think people feel sometimes they have to have a job or a role in, in that is so very meaningful and powerful, mm-hmm. but the, the reality is very few of us get to work in jobs that we feel like, man, I'm passionate about this. I'm changing the world every day. So what would you say to people that go, hey, you know, I, you know like I said, I work at a car dealership or I work at the bus depot. What's my vision? Do, I, do we need a vision for, all the, for my department? You know, I think you do. Again, if, if there's no change implied, if you're going to be cranking out the work every day, mm-hmm. there's no, it's being done adequately and nobody wants uh, improvement. 
then uh, then you don't even have to worry about the vision. But mm-hmm. um, I think uh, a good vision can add excitement to pretty mundane work. Right. Uh, there was a book 30 years ago, this ancient history, uh, called The Soul of a New Machine. And it was about a bunch of engineers from DEC uh, working on this uh, new computer. Uh, and, and it's fascinating tale because their work environment was awful, mm-hmm. really, really hideous. Um, no, no, not a lot of support. They did have their computers to work on, but it, literally that was about it. The right. surroundings were dingy. Um, these guys caught fire and had a vision to change the world and jumped right in and uh, made uh, some miraculous improvements to the extreme of working 16, 18 hours a day. I mean, they, they just, wow. and not because they were told to do that. that that's just what, the way they performed. But they you were can motivated take, to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> and you could take any job. Uh, you know, if you want to, uh, if you're selling used cars, okay. uh, you, you'd like to make a difference in people's lives somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to, to make as many people um, uh, have affordable transportation as you possibly can. You mm-hmm. want to enrich them. You want to be the best salesman on earth. You want to, there's, there are all kinds of ways right. to, to weave a story where you, you really can make a difference in your work. I think that's a, and that's a great point. You said that we're trying to provide affordable transportation. I never would have thought of that, but let's just take that nugget, right? If that's part of your vision statement now as a salesperson, I don't just feel like I'm just here to make a buck. Well, you're here to make money, but you're setting a tone for your culture, maybe, that, hey, this is the way we want to do business. We're not always about making a deal. We're also trying to help people. So I think providing your vision statement, although it is brief, right? We're talking two paragraphs, maybe? Yeah, if, if uh, probably not that. I mean, the shorter, the better, even, even a partial sentence. Mm-hmm. Is, yep. But that, that vision statement in two, let's say just a few sentences, um, defines what you want your culture to be in some ways, right? Little pieces of that. If you put in something that is about ethics or morality, then you believe in that strongly enough to put it in your mission statement. I would think you would expect your employees to act ethically or to follow that, uh, that piece of that vision. And it's interesting because people innately want to be a part of something bigger. We want to contribute, right? And that's what the vision statement is giving you. It's giving you something bigger. It's giving you something to attain that's not attainable tomorrow, but it's a distant, distant goal to give you clarity, mm-hmm. somewhat set expectations, and, and let you go. Yeah, when I was, um, I think it was two years ago, um, was working on an um, assessment for a large uh, institute at the NIH, National Institutes of Health, and we were doing surveys with all of the employees trying to figure out what the challenges were. They were, they were seeing that the, the, it was a new institute and they were feeling like there was a sense of lack of sense of purpose. Uh, they had merged and kind of combined some scientific things and you could tell there was just two sides and everyone was like, you know, we, Brooks, we don't know what we're doing here. Are we, are we doing translational science? Are we doing this kind of science? And you could tell that that lack of clarity was making people feel less passionate about their jobs. It was amazing to me in the interviews where people were like, I, I just, I don't know if I care. Like, I don't understand what I'm doing. And, and st- step back for a second because what vision would do for those folks, it tells them the big why. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? There is a purpose behind why There's you're here, purpose. not just to show Absolutely. up and push paper, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which sometimes we feel like. <laughs> 
And it could certainly, um, you know, increase enthusiasm, which is will, because again, it is uh, really an emotional statement. Right. Uh, back to the leadership is more emotion than, than logic. So I have my vision statement. Let's say it's something that I, as a leader, I, I, I want to have a strong vision statement. I believe in it. Um, why are some leaders more effective in translating and communicating that, that vision than others? You know, that gets into something we're also going to talk about today, mm-hmm. uh, which is the passion side, passion. I think. The, uh, I've seen countless people feel they have to have a mission, and they'll take a mechanical approach to that, right? Uh, and, and come up and draft a mission statement that uh, maybe they believe it, but they're, they're certainly not passionate about right. that statement. Had so if done. you're not passionate <laughs> about it, and you're the leader, how can anybody else ever get passionate mm-hmm. about it, right? right. Uh, so it's got to be something you care, you really do believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, that's, what, that's what great leaders do. So Mike, I want to bring up a scenario to you along those lines. So there's many different situations where you can bring a vision into place. But let's say I'm a leader that's coming into an organization as a new, I'm a new leader. And I'm, I want to set a new tone for my, my group. They had been going a certain way with a certain vision. I'm changing that vision. Um, what are some things I need to do to help that shift? That's a hard thing to do, as you know. But what are some things I can do to help translate and change it, maybe change a culture starting with a vision statement? Maybe you shouldn't start with a vision statement. Okay. I asked a, a dean at Harvard Business School, a man named Nitin Noria, who is a fantastic leader. Um, and had a very, very positive impact since he's been dean up there. And I said, what in the world do you do when you're stepping into a very, very old traditional organization, massive brand name, uh, but you've got all these constituencies, you've got uh, academics uh, that some would say could be entrenched. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got uh, uh, donors, you've got... uh, alumni, you've got the students, you've got the, all of the assist help and the administrators and so forth. How in the world do you grapple with that? And what do you do? Right. And you know what his answer was? Ask and talk to 400 people. Mm-hmm. Ask questions and talk to 400 people before mm-hmm. you do anything. Now, isn't that interesting? Collect what the data. he did, what he was doing was finding out where everybody's head was. He was also giving them all buy-in, mm. which is absolutely crucial. We all want a piece of the pie, right? Mm-hmm. So he was involving them. Uh, and he was taking all of that information in, listening intently, um, asking good questions, uh, and then reflecting. Mm. Last step, just kind of reflecting, not making decisions, doing nothing, but taking it all in. Mm-hmm. Once he did that, then he came up with a grand plan. After about three months, mm-hmm. a new vision for Harvard Business School. It was new product lines. It was new ways mm. of doing business. And uh, uh, he was in a lot better position to launch it. Trouble is, because sometimes you can launch a vision statement cold, like you said, if you're mm-hmm. new on the job and you do it on day one. There's a lot of people just sitting there looking at that and saying, hmm. How do you know? Uh, yeah. How do you know what the vision should be, new guy? Right. <laughs> right? That's interesting. I, I would imagine if I was someone that was interviewed, um, what a great feeling it would be. What if some of my ideas were part of that new vision or part of that new product line? Talk about a way to build a positive culture. I said something, I was heard, and it was applied. I mean, to me, that's... 
that's it right there. That's leadership. If you can, if you're able to accomplish those things, and not all the time you can take feedback and oper- and use it, but when you show people that either I've I've heard you and I've listened, and this is why or why not I used your feedback, that's building credibility. And it's a good way to when you're doing that, going through a listening stage. Uh, that's a gift for people. It, build, it mm-hmm. does help build trust. Um, Mac Baldridge, who was Secretary of Commerce in the 1970s, used to was deeply loved by the Commerce Department employees. He would walk into a cafeteria, uh, pull people in to eat with him. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get out of the way, of course, so the secretary walks in, right? But he grabs them, sets them down at the table, and sits and just had chats with them. Hobbies and interests and mm-hmm. sports, you name it. But he would always ask one question. You know, he said, if you were me, what one thing would you change here? Mm. Now, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's collecting intelligence on mm-hmm. the organization, and when you put all those bits together, that helps formulate a grand vision. Right. Because and, what you're doing is you're playing off what people actually want. And you know what I like about that is sometimes you'll see leaders that take that uh, initiative, but then when they go to ask people, they just ask them generic questions. And that's when you tend to get things that are either inflated or personal vendetta-like. It's not constructive. But when you ask a pointed question, now you're getting some probably some good feedback that you can apply. And you're making people think positively. You're not saying what's yeah. wrong here, right? Right. Yeah. And that's usually where we go, right? You sit down and you get people say, well, what's going on? What are we doing wrong? You know, that's where we tend to focus instead right. of, hey, I love the way that's framed. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and use that in the future.